Welcome to Bang on the Money, the feminist financial podcast aiming to smash the taboo around money through honest conversations about mistakes made, lessons learned, and the money myths that hold us back. This podcast is for educational purposes only and does not constitute financial advice. Mariam Jimmo is a social entrepreneur. She is the founder of Women in the City Afro-Caribbean Network, known as WCAN, the ethnic food delivery service Odja, and the publisher Onway Press. When she set up WCAN at university in 2013, it was the first organisation of its kind. Six years on, WCAN supports 4,000 black women in their professional and personal development. She says... Learning how to lead a team has been a challenge, but I always thought that I've been a good leader and entrepreneurship has always come naturally to me. It's hard to juggle everything, but I always want to be hands-on. I was very much interested in the corporate world and I found myself, you know, always at corporate events and very much interested in investment banking and I never really saw a lot of black women. So I was at an event with McKinsey, which was like a next generation women leader event in Paris. It was an amazing event, three day workshop. And um, I was the only black woman there of a hundred women across like EMEA. So you would expect there would be, you know, at least at another. At least one more. Um, I think that's the thing about being a black person or even as a black woman um, or a minority. Like you very much notice when you are the only one in the room. So um, I felt maybe there was a disconnect between black women and um, you know what's going on in the corporate world that needed to be filled um, so WCAN was sort of where that where that came from um, and also just just it's just really nice to have um, a community which you can relate to and that look like you and that understand exactly how you kind of live your life from the perspective of being you know a particular kind of black woman and I think that's something I wanted to really foster not just the corporate side. And you were 23 when you started it, is that right? I think I was younger. <laughs> I was younger, yeah. Because you were exactly. at university. Yeah, I was still at university, so I was younger. Um, and, and when you started it, did you ever imagine that it would become this huge community? And it's it's a social enterprise, so, yeah, right? Yeah, it's so a social a, enterprise. It's not for profit. It's Yeah, so it's not for profit. Um, everything that we do kind of goes back into, like, putting out... Uh, the content that we do um, all of us are volunteers as well um, so there's kind of two elements to WCAN, there's sort of a network element and then there's also sort of the, the element that works with companies in terms of like their diversity and inclusion strategy um, and then attracting and retaining black women, um, that's like a different part of WCAN so both are sort of different things um, and definitely like when we work with students it's 100% not for profit there's just, it's really just us giving up our time, our expertise you know sometimes even our resources to get girls who are students into these firms Mm. but it's very much a thriving business and yeah yeah and how many people work with you on that um so my team is probably about like 10 key members um there are a few that kind of come in and out and then there are also a lot of student volunteers that we have that work Mm -hmm. with us as well and we all have full-time jobs that we do alongside WCAN. So I think people don't really realise that. They compare us a lot to like charities and different organisations that have full-time staff working because that's how we kind of probably portray ourselves and how the standard of what we put out. But really all of us are kind of bankers, lawyers, entrepreneurs, consultants across the city and we all have a day job. So it's, um, yeah, it's quite intense. That is so impressive that yeah. you're running this completely yeah. as 
as something alongside many other things? Because now you have several other projects going on. Yeah. Are you still working in investment banking? Um, no, so I left investment banking probably about a year ago. Okay. And um, yeah, I mean, banking is great. <laughs> but other people, um, not, not quite myself. Um, do you know what? I picked up really great skills in investment banking and just generally. So I interned almost every single summer when I was at university in investment banking. And I was very much had my my heart set on being a banker and then I got kind of got there and spent some time there and realised, you know, this isn't really exactly the best thing for me and what I'm passionate about and what I find myself wanting to do whilst I'm working is working on projects that support you know my community and people who look like me be it ethnic minorities black people women it's something that I really really um, am passionate about so I thought that's what I'm going to do um, at least I can do it now when I'm young yeah um, but I mean if you haven't been interested in the corporate world and in investment banking then WCAN might not exist exactly yes. so it's all just part of the journey and also yeah. you've got that insight knowledge into investments into money into managing finances which I imagine has come in handy setting 100%. up starting businesses yeah giving other people advice yeah I think so I don't think I would be where I was without my corporate background so I never as much as I wouldn't want to do that right now I would like I would always advise people around me to make sure you're getting picking up skills in whatever way you can mm-hmm. and the corporate world is a great place to set up to mm-hmm. get skills for you to go on and build a business if you're like that way inclined so can we talk about funding a bit sure. um, <laughs> so how is WCAN funded uh, so we're mostly funded through um, corporate sponsors who work with us so we'll have like a few big firms across the city who work with us for a fee every year and that funds pretty much all that we're doing um, and they host the events yes and, they yeah. also host the events they like they pretty much work with us on an event to event basis or they'll have a relationship with us for the whole year um, and that kind of just funds itself and it, it allows us to be you know to not really have to charge people to come to events or not really have to get get the girls themselves to fork out cash to work with us if it's like on a student basis. Um, as we've seen that grow, we're now thinking about the brand W can and how we can get elements of it that turn it into an actual business and it fund almost as funding itself. So we have um, this kind of private members club that we're set, we've set up for young professional women who have been working for two plus years. That is essentially like a business. It's not not for profit. It's really to mm-hmm. it should generate profit and it should be something that builds and gets bigger and and grows. Um, so off the back of the work that we're doing we've been able to sort of get these streams that are actually um, quite profitable. Mm. So in the future do you think that you will go from a volunteer running basis to some people who are working full-time on it? Uh, Yeah I think that's a sustainable model so we're hoping that you know there are like I said especially for the student element we would love to be able to get people on board and pay them to do the work that we're Mm. doing because it is a lot of work and Mm. you know it's all well and good that we're willing to give up our time but what happens in five years when the rest of us are sort of like not able to do it so um, how do most people find out about WCAN? So social media word of mouth is a big thing for us Um, our sponsors put us out there as well Mm -hmm. Um, yeah I think I think it's uh, university networks as well we have campus ambassadors 
Um, I just think if you're if you're a black woman, it's quite hard not to have heard of us, just because if we have interacted with another black woman, um, usually they're like, oh, have you seen this? Join this, pushing what we do. Great. And are there lessons that you've learned from running WCAN that you've then applied with your other projects? Yeah, definitely. I think the thing about WCAN is that I never really expected it to be be what it's become in terms of I started started it as sort of a side project. Um, so it means that it's quickly turned into a quite like a large business that I didn't really anticipate so I had to learn a lot of things as I was going along. Um, with Oja and with Onway it's a completely different approach in that everything that I learned over five years with um, WCAN I've implemented within like the first month of, of working yeah. at Onway and Oja such as things like um, strategy and you know budgeting and finance and how to go about financing things, things like um, the product that you're developing or the market that you're targeting and your customers like all of that stuff has driven what I was doing as opposed to when I'm, I was doing it at WCAN and it was very much as it comes up I'm mm -hmm. going to like take this and then implement it and then iterate on it and then see what the feedback is right now it's, it's more active I guess than I guess a passive learning experience do you think you've got more confidence in leading something and driving something through yeah 100% I'm I'm like the leading type. <laughs> I don't like to be told what to do. Um, no, I'm joking. Um, I think I think it's definitely helped me realise that it's quite easy to go into a room and sell yourself. And I think as women, sometimes we do, we're, we're we don't, yeah we really do forget that. But having built something kind of not on purpose, and it was and it's come out so well. I just think. If I can do that not on purpose, then there's so many things I can do on purpose that are going to come out exactly the way that um, they should come out and, and be successful. And that confidence definitely is seen when I walk into a room and, and talk about the things that I'm doing. And then I also think there's like a passion behind what you're doing that helps you with that leadership um, style. If, if you are very confident and you understand your customer and the people that you're working for in and out, then that really does reflect when you're discussing uh, discussing them or trying to sell something or trying to you know get people on board. And we found that so much, especially with Oja and definitely with Onway Press, we're like a new press. This will be our first title that's coming out in October. And so exciting! It looks yeah, amazing. I've I'm been just, reading I'm about so excited it. for it because it's just so it's just something so different. And when we walk into when we walk and we speak to all of these like huge bookstores, huge distributors, and they're just like, this is your first title. I'm like, yeah, but we've done this, this, and this, and this is how we're going to go about it. And people are automatically sold, and that's based on the personal relationships that you you're building up in that room and how you're portraying yourself. Um, so yeah. there's so many exciting books being written by Black women at the moment yeah. as well. We've got Queenie, which I love. Yeah. Um, Galdem's <laughs> book is fantastic. Yeah, yeah it's definitely a good it's, time for and it. And then Nimco Ali's book yeah. as well. I'm just yeah. so excited, and I love hearing these new voices. And that seems to be exactly what Onway Press stands for. Yeah, a hundred percent. We're all about diverse stories, diverse voices, unique stories. Um, we just want to hear things that haven't been told before because. You know, it's sometimes hard to love something so much. So we, like, I love to read. Um, my co-founder loves reading, like, beyond. Like, I'm more of a non-fiction girl. She loves to escape into fiction. And it's really hard to love something so much and never really hear things told in your voice and you don't even notice it and a lot we, we did a documentary we were, we were recording a documentary the other day based on just black women reading and so many of them said I didn't realize that 
there was never like a main black woman character in the books I was reading until I was much older because that's not why you read or how you read but mm. that's not entirely fair that you sh you're not reading in your own voice or a voice that's similar to yours um, so that's exactly what we're trying to target when we're doing this we want all minorities to be able to read and read in someone's voice that they recognize and not just always be like standing on the outside and thinking you're like them but when mm -hmm. you, but you're not necessarily but um, also for everyone to learn exactly the more voices there are the more you learn exactly so. and it's a cultural experience it's like a personal thing for you but it's also like people from the outside also want to understand and they also want to get involved. Our first author, she tweeted something about uh, African mythology because a lot of people always talk about like Greek and Roman mythology, which I love. I'm such a classics buff. And Me too. I really <laughs> yeah. um, there isn't like anything out there on African mythology that's like big, even though it's so rich and so diverse and it got so much reception. People were like, I really want to read it. And it was all types of people. It wasn't just yeah. black people. It was everybody who was like, I would really love to learn more about this and it's a shame that that's not necessarily as easily accessible as you know some of these other things and we'd like to change that. Totally. So just going on to Odja, when did you start that and were you still in full-time employment? Yeah, so I pretty much started that when I was still working. Um, and can you explain a bit more about what it is Yeah, as well? sure. Um, so what it is, it's a marketplace for ethnic and specialist products. London is like a very multicultural place and there are loads of pockets of cultures in London, like um, different areas sort of are very full of one types of culture. And what you find is that when you move away from those areas, it's quite difficult to find kind of culture specific products. Um, be so it is this food, ingredients? Yeah, be it like ingredients, be it food, be it services. Mm -hmm. um, so do you Anything cover like hair really. products, hair skin products, products exactly, well. beauty products, just that whole range, if it's kosher, if it's you know an Indian product, if it's an African Caribbean product, we want you to be able to get that easily um, and in a quick and efficient manner. Um, so that's what Ojad does. Um, and it's not just you know food or groceries, it's across the board and to the point where I kind of see it being something that you can find anything that's for any ethnic group or specialist group, like even things like the Italian deli, like you should be able to get that stuff very easily via an app. I started it just before I left my, my last role and um, I didn't really, didn't really know what it was at the time. I didn't really know that much about what exactly it was going to be. I just knew that I had the problem and I was just like, what, where, what Everyone is the else solution? Must have this as yeah, well. there must be some people who want this as well. Um, I think what people don't realise in London, it's actually, it is actually majority minorities. So because it's so multicultural, what you find is that the minorities make, all added up together, make the majority, which means that a lot of people must be having similar problems where they kind of move away from these cultural areas and they can't access everything that they could easily access before. Um, so that's So will it be way. based in London initially? Yeah, initially it will be based in London, but like I said, the UK is quite a multicultural place generally as well. Um, I definitely think there's scope for this market to grow because what it should be is that anywhere you go as, a, as an ethnic group or a cultural group, you should be able to find things that you recognise and products mm -hmm. that you recognise. And that sh that's kind of a, a model that can be replicated across the board. It doesn't have to be just in London. And what stage have you got to with that business? Pretty much all the two um, MVPs are built, so the um, Android and iOS app are built um, and such. How exciting. Yeah, everything's pretty much built. I think the, the thing I'm kind of doing now is um, fundraising and also looking at 
um, getting stores onboarded onto the app. Like those are the two things I'm focused on at the moment, which are very different and quite difficult um, mm. in their own senses. And but, you're the only one working on this. Yeah, so um, I'm kind of a one-woman team at the moment, um, and I have uh, like freelancers that I bring on board for particular things. But uh, it's it's uh, it's been an interesting journey. Yeah, and I'm hoping that we'll be launching by the end of the year, like come. Um, Q4, so I'm I'm excited. To and how is the fundraising see. going? Tell me about that. Um, you know, fundraising is difficult because I sort of thought, oh, I can just do it alongside everything I'm doing, and it's just that's just not the reality of the situation at all. You pretty much have to go all in if you're doing um, fundraising, which I've only just started doing. So um, before it was kind of like informal meetings and just chatting to people and speaking to people, um, but now it's like I'm really gonna put a big effort in for the next like three months. To sort of make sure I can get that initial seat. And how about Onway? How do you divide your time? Yeah, it's it's really difficult um, <laughs> in the sense that WCAN runs itself because, well, kind of runs itself because I have a team that does majority of the operational and, uh, you know, implementing of the work that we do. So my role is heavily strategic, um, but sometimes, you know, I'm up until 1am you know, sending emails or, you know, having meetings during the day, which does take up time, but not as much as it did, you know, five years ago. Um, so my focus at the moment has been very heavily on way up until this point. And now because Oja is, you know, at a stage where, you know, we need that funding and we need to sort of start working on this um, 100%, I've had to sort of balance my time between the two. Um, but do you, do you know have what? specific days for specific projects, or do they all no. lead into each other? They all they all lead into each other. So. <laughs> yeah, it, maybe that's not the most efficient way to do it. But I find that because a lot of this stuff is very much in person, um, you know, all the admin stuff is fair enough. You can do that late. You can send emails at like one a.m. and get them to send at nine a.m. in the morning if you want to. That's okay. But the things that are a little bit more difficult is the like in person meetings and the selling yourself in person, which you. You can't really just set a day for like Oja meetings um, and then set a day for Onway meetings. They all sort of have to intertwine. Like today, I've just come from an Onway meeting. Um, I'll be on my way to an Oja meeting later, and then I have a WCAN call. So I just can't. Yeah, you can't really split them apart. Um, but I like being busy. And how do you manage the finances between the three of those? It's difficult because they're all very different in terms of WCAN is quite seasoned. Um, we have like a season where we go out for corporate sponsorships a few months and you just kind of go hard, get your corporate sponsorship and you're kind of cool for the year and you know these are the plans that we can make based on what we've raised. Um, with Oja it's a lot different because I've bootstrapped up to this point. So I've left kind of left my job and I've kind of been working on different things, doing some consulting work and building up cash uh, as well as some of my savings that I could put put towards building. So that's self-funded. Exactly. Um, I did like a small family and friends round, I got my parents helped me out and that was pretty much how I was I was funding W I mean Oja and Oja's not gonna make any money for some time because it's a it's tech, like it's gonna take a bit it's of a time. long game. Exactly. Um, so that's like a different sort of managing of finance and that it's like coming a bit from my pocket and some of the money I've raised and you have to manage it in a very different way because you don't know when the next you know infusion of cash is going to come out and if and when you're going to raise um, your seed or your series A or, or so on and so forth. With Onway it's a bit similar to it's like in between the both of them so 
It's, um, you know you have a product and you know that that's going to, that will sell and that will bring in cash, but there's an initial investment that you do need to be able to do that, which we have managed to get from investors and we have to now manage that in the right way mm -hmm. so we're not like going above it or below it, but at the same time hoping that the sales will kind of fuel what we're doing come October 1st um, and then the rest of the titles that we have to come. So there's like three different ways of money coming in and money having to be managed mm -hmm. um, to ensure that you know you're you're okay until the next stage yeah um, yeah so with onward was that something that you set up a few years ago like what's the, no. the timeline of that that was at the beginning of this year maybe okay <laughs> yeah so and then you've got your first book coming out in october yeah and then you'll be finding other authors yes we've already got a couple on board um so it's not just a one-off thing like we're hoping this will become like a fully fledged publishing house um that will be bringing out titles um regularly that are from diverse voices so that's that that's the ultimate aim um we have a couple of books that we're hoping to put out next year um the book that's coming out in october daughters of Enri, that's a series so mm -hmm. there will definitely be at least a couple more books coming out from that um Great. and yeah so it's a it's a process but we're hoping like once we get the you know the gist of how to kind of put a title out it becomes sort of a um, well, you're going to learn from exactly. each one. Yeah. And then it becomes a little easier to just mm. like, say this is the process for getting books out because right now it's taking a lot from us because we're having to learn the industry in and out mm. to be able to approach it in an innovative and different way. Um, I imagine it's similar with WCAN where every event that you did you were learning so much exactly. more from each one and then it just builds up. Exactly. And then now it becomes like clockwork. Yeah. And we know exactly the boxes we need to tick to put something out there and yeah. that's what's become a competitive advantage for us in that we could like decide to do an event next week and it will be filled and it will run quite well because we know exactly how to approach it but that takes time mm. yeah how many people came to your first WCAN event I think we had like 60 or 70 people there that's amazing which was, yeah I was quite I was quite shocked by it to be honest I wasn't expecting that at all um, but did I, your friends and family just think oh Mariam's just doing this thing <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what are you always doing just like get your degree and go to like get a job and get on with it and I was like but I'm really passionate about this um but and it shows and that's what drives it forward yeah exactly um yeah I wasn't really expecting it to become what it has become I remember we had like a hundred or 150 members when we first started yeah um, and a lot of them were just like my friends I was just like just join yeah <laughs> um, and then we had like a few sponsors but the amount of growth that we've seen has been I didn't expect that at all did you have the name right from the beginning yeah I did I, did, I definitely did I, I remember I was at my internship and I was just sitting there like not working and just like writing different things out to try and come up with a name and then um, I wrote kind of women in the city afro-caribbean network and I just last so long and then I realized it just spelled out like women can and I was like oh yeah that works yeah so, so it's kind good. of stuck since and how did you come up with the other names um so Oja was um, that was a that was a crazy one to be honest. So I I'm a Nigerian, um, Yoruba, um, and 
in Yoruba, Oja means market. It's like where you kind of go in um, in Nigeria to go and get anything and everything you need. And I remember when I was first kind of asking my friends, I can't come up with a name. So a lot of them suggested Oja, and I just was like, nah, it's just, it's just I don't want it. Um, and then after a while, like a lot of people were suggesting it. Like I got like four or five people saying that that's quite a good name because it's three letters, which is very easy to kind of. Um, I like get out. Words. Yeah, it's like easier to just get out. Um, it would make like a nice logo, and it also has a really good meaning behind it, both to you personally, like from where you're from, but also it is a marketplace, and that is what you're trying to create. Um, so then I went with Oja with Onway. Um, Onway. So it's also a Nigerian word, in from, but from the Igbo dialect, and what it means is um, sort of freedom and an ownership and. Such it's, a beautiful yeah, word. So it's a very, very beautiful word. So we were just like, yeah, this has to be it. Like, if we're we're doing something that we're so passionate about and it means so much to us, we should really be drawing on our culture and you know what we what we understand the meaning of, and that really works for mm. us. So was that a collaborative name between you and your co-founder? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it was uh, me, my co-founder, and um, our kind of graphic designer. We were just kind of talking about it and working it out. Yeah. What advice would you give to somebody who has got a business idea and they're in full-time employment and they haven't got any idea how to get it off the ground? Um, I would say just talk to people. I think that's the most that's been the most effective thing I've done. Anytime I've tried to kind of go out and do research for myself, it hasn't. I mean, it's fine, but you learned so much more in an hour of speaking to someone than you would from an hour of surfing the internet, um, especially somebody who's done what you want to do. So that's how I've approached almost every single business I've started. I've gone to somebody who has something that I think aligns with what I'm doing, and I've asked them, how did you do it? What were your biggest challenges? People are always willing to help, but that's one thing I underestimate because I'm not good at asking for help. But when I realize that people are always willing to help and they don't really expect anything back, um, I think that's really important as well that you don't approach things in a transactional way you kind of meet people and you're like willing to meet anybody and everybody and you don't know later on in life where they, that may become useful to you or um, you may become useful to them so I think it's always important to have that mindset where you're willing to speak to everybody but you're also not always expecting something from them or expecting something back just kind of having you know, chatting really, that's that's what networking is, so I think that's really important um, when you're first starting. I think also it's important to just have a plan, like I don't think you should just jump into things, so if you're, if you're struggling to start, sometimes when you put things down on paper and you realise, you know, this is actually very viable and this is a really a, a good approach for this, um, that usually helps. Did you always want to be an entrepreneur? No, <laughs> I thought I wanted to be a banker. That's I, I genuinely from I a really young age. Honestly, well, maybe not that young. When I was about sixteen or so, um, I went to JP Morgan for the day, and I was just like, "This is what I want to do. This is going to be great." Um, and then I applied for medicine because my parents were like, "Be a doctor," and I and I wrote in my yearbook. I remember I'm just going to get the degree, and then I'm going to be an investment banker. That's what I said. Wow. Um, and I wish you did. I, well, I didn't get the medicine degree because I realised it was just way too much work for me to spend all my time there. Um, but I pretty much became an investment banker and then that's it's just it's like 
it's interesting looking back on things and thinking you know that's what you really wanted and then you get there and you're completely it's mm. not what it's not what you think I love it's that be. Um, quote which is that there's no point getting to the top of the ladder if you realize that the ladder is on the wrong wall is that ex exactly <laughs> um, so I'm like as somebody who just kind of goes a little bit up the ladder and then I'm just like mm, nah another wall <laughs> <Try something laughs> yeah. Different. Um, so yeah, um, yeah. I, I thought I wanted to be a banker um, and I thought I was just have you be... always been quite confident with money um yeah do you know what I'm I haven't always been great with money because I'm a very impulsive person. So when I was younger, it was very much just, I just do whatever I want, like that's that's it. But then I realized, I guess, especially as you get older, when you start to manage a lot of money, then you need to sort of have a different approach to it and a, a plan mm -hmm. um, and kind of stick to that plan. Um, and How old were you when you think that kind of shifted? That was in university at some point because yeah. you know you get like student loan and, I, and, <laughs> and it all I, arrives like all in one go. <laughs> it was like the worst thing for me, and I was just like, "Mom, Dad, like I need some more cash," and they were like, "You need to grow up." And I was like, "You're right, <laughs> I do need to grow up." Um, so I've always been somebody who's quite good at making money. So I'm quite, yeah, I'm like a money maker. I'm like I like to hustle and think mm. about different ways to make money, which has offset often some of my sort of impulsive decisions but as I've grown up I've had to realise you know there has to be a there's a method to the madness let's just not go crazy all the time um, when did you start do that, doing that did you have little projects when you were growing up that you would sell things um, yeah I, I, I did that I had a feather earring <laughs> no very cool that's much cooler than what I did um, I was very much somebody who could um, I was always really good with computers and graphics and Photoshop so I used to like sell those services and like make logos for people and do things you know like even when you're in school and, and it was it was good it was like a really it was like a really cool way to just make a bit of cash on the side um, but as I've grown up I've, I've realized that there is a way for you to monetize a lot of the skills that we have and I don't think we think that way and a lot of the time especially as millennials and like younger mm. younger people who are we do you don't think it's like gendered as well um i feel like women have these little skills and they're really good at selling to other women like mm. women have like this really it's good like network community. yeah um this community feel to like doing that um i think when it becomes like something where it's like take the jump and like do it full time something like that they're probably a little less likely to do that maybe i don't really know men that have a lot of like side <laughs> things that they're doing or something. I know what you mean actually. It does feel like this quite female led community of 100%. like well, Emma Gannon with the multi hyphen method being yeah. the kind of one that jumps straight to my mind exactly. that she's encouraging people to start different things and not even know where it's gonna go. Mm -hmm. You can have a bit of a plan on paper but just start. Mm -hmm. Um which I really like yeah. that attitude because I think that's often the the hardest step is just I'm gonna just do it. Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna see what happens yeah no thinking back on it i think i think women are good at that <laughs> yeah. quite good at side hustling turning little things that we do into something that brings in cash mm. um, and we're always i think that's probably because maybe we don't feel as fulfilled for some of the things that we're doing like at, in, at work in terms of from a corporate mm. perspective you kind of feel oh i'm a woman i probably won't necessarily make it to that stage or it might be a difficult run so i'm like ease, I, I'm, I'm like willing to work on some other things and some of the research we've done within WCAN has shown that a lot of black women are like that they don't really see role models like at the top of corporate positions so they so very they much leave the thing. corporate world to go and do their own thing and start their own businesses and make money in the ways that they know how mm. to um so yeah maybe that is quite a gendered yeah. thing yeah who are your role models 
you know, I get asked that a lot and I never really have an answer. I just, I mean, I love Beyonce. That's my <laughs> biggest role model. Um, but also like my dad and like some of the really cool people around me who have raised me um, and the amount of, that they've put into me and the, and the things that they love and the people they love and how it's benefited them now in the long run. Um, I'm just a fan of anyone who knows how to work smart um, and as well as work hard, I like people who get things done. So mm. anybody who does that is, is a role model for me. Do you think that your family's attitude to money and their relationship with money has impacted you? Have you can you see any connection there of things you've inherited or reacted against? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> my dad's like me, like he's like the impulse person and my mum is like the yeah, I'm just gonna keep all this cash here and like <laughs> save it and like th like invest and build stuff. Um, but they do it. In the, they both do. They both do that, but in a very different way. Mm -hmm. and, um, and did your mom talk about investments growing up? Yeah, she did. She did. Um, and she always like even when we like started uni, she would always like give us some options of some of the things that she's looking at and get try to get us involved. So my mum is so very good. much like that. Both, both my parents are like that. They're like, you guys need to start getting involved in this now. And my dad's always telling like stories of how he's built up, what he's built up. And I remember we were just having a chat one night, like just having like a glass of wine with my brother and everyone was just sitting around. And then my brother just went upstairs and he texted me. He was just like, we have to be like dad when we grow up. I was like, yeah, <laughs> okay, how are we gonna do it? So <laughs> sort of thing. So yeah, they've been very, very much you know, key in how um, I approach things for sure. And is your brother quite entrepreneurial as well? Um, in a sense, yeah. I think it's a sense of like monetizing his skills. So mm. he um, has always been someone who loves football. So he's found a way to monetize that skill, which is it's great to have multiple streams of income and it's great to do it in ways you enjoy. So mm. that's definitely something that's been pushed in our family. And did you feel that you were someone who stood out as someone who was entrepreneurial from a young age or have lots of your friends also got their own side hustles, passion projects? Mm, no, not really. Um, but no. you, I guess you've got in contact with many more people like that since exactly. starting W Can. It's more like the network that I've built up around doing that, but initially mm. not really, I wouldn't say. Mm. I think that I've always had this strange confidence and I'm always willing to back myself, so I think that's, that's definitely stood out and probably is why I'm able to sort of say, oh, I'm just going to take a chance on this at this stage because mm. I don't have kids, I'm not married, I don't really have anything to worry about, so mm. I may as well just take those risks now as opposed to anyone else. Yeah, I like taking risks. Mm -hmm. That's a big thing. <laughs> yeah. um, so my final question is, what do you wish you'd known about money when you were 16? Um, I think I wish I knew that the aim is to make money grow and make money work for you. Um, so I think I got the first bit down when I was younger, like I could make a bit of cash here and there, but the actual aim is to make money that's going to be working for me so I don't have to work for that money any longer. And I didn't really realize that until a little later in my sort of money journey. You can have a great job or you can be earning a lot of money, but that's never gonna necessarily give you financial freedom. So that's really now become like my aim and that's what I'm sort of working towards. Whereas before it was very much, oh, I just wanna be successful, I wanna like, create really cool things but now it's like you know what I just want to be able to sleep and there's money being made like that's <laughs> that would be great thank you so much for listening to bang on the money you can find out more about Mariam on twitter at the art of Mariam where she has links for Onway, Odger and WCAN
Thank you to Millie Ashbridge for the music and Bahas for the cover. And please do rate, review and subscribe so that other people can find the podcast.